Hello everyone, this is Winston Preaching the Cocktail. My heart is full this morning because I've got my brother here, uh, Leroy Barrett. You are going to be so amazed about what we're going to talk about But up front, I want to make sure that this topic, this topic is a topic that everyone who's hearing our voice today has some connection with, even beyond just what you hear on the news. And so I'm going to talk to my brother, Leroy. We were connected by a great friend of ours. Uh, brother Leroy, welcome to the show. I see you got your Detroit, you know, cap on today. <laughs> always, always, always represent. Thank you very much. I'm so uh, happy to be here. Terrific. I saw you got my uh, best friend, Chef Thomas, in your opener. It's really awesome. That's right. That's right. That's right. We were introduced by brother Thomas Berman. He's a wonderful chef here in the ATL. He and I, and, and I would surmise that my brother Leroy here are great followers of Jesus, and we spend a lot of time really connected and bonding as, as brothers. And, uh, and he makes phenomenal food on top of all of that. And so, <laughs> so, so welcome, 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 brother. Uh, we are going to pop right in. For those of you who are hearing Leroy for the first time, I'm going to have Leroy talk a little bit about who he is, but then we're going to get into what he's doing. And he has a project here that everybody in the world needs to know about. So Leroy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, thank you, brother, I appreciate that. I, uh, I'm a performer, I have been my entire life. For as long as I can remember, I was on a stage or doing something about making something happen on a stage. Um, I began in music singing. Um, ultimately, I wound up playing some instruments, uh, uh, producing music, uh, and ultimately uh, making films. And that's, that's what I do now, I'm a writer and director. Uh, creating films and the one that we're talking about in specific today is uh, Dying to Learn. It's about uh, school shootings and uh, how our society contributes to them uh, in a active and forward speaking way. Yeah. You know, when, when you shared this and I saw the trailer and, and I'll warn everyone, well, at the end of our combo, we'll share it so in case you feel a certain way. But when you shared this with, with myself and I'm sure with many others, Everyone knows that this is a problem. Yeah. Not, not anyone can say, oh, yeah, well, because of an amendment or it's because no one says, oh, it's okay. Not one person can say that. And, and when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, my gosh, this reminds me a little bit of my life. You know, I'm a bit older than what we've been seeing all these last on the news for the last 20, 30 years. Yeah. In, in my day, it's the stuff that happened. And it, and it's bad. Yeah. There is no doubt about it. Yeah, it's, no doubt. It, it, it's it's unbelievably bad. And when Brother Leroy and I was talking, we got on this little bit of a, a relevant tangent about our fascination, we humans, we Americans, with violence. Right. Right. We actually put it in the Constitution. <laughs> so you know, we are unbelievably fascinated with that. And, and, and brother, I want you to kind of give your thoughts on what I'm about to say next. Okay. I, I think this creates a, a real legacy trauma amongst us as a people, and us specifically as African-Americans, our trauma is, is very intense. And, and I think that this passes on DNA, DNA, DNA. Well, what are your thoughts on this? See, now you, uh, brother, you are, you're scratching up some serious wounds there. Uh, 
I think, well, we know that we are programmable. Just that's that's who we are, right? Um, television programming isn't called that by mistake. And things that are repeated to us become natural, in fact. So uh, when we continually are plugged in these derogatory, destructive images and realities, they just become our world. And when you exponentially scale that out to the, our entire existence in this country, then our acceptance for violence is on a level that's ridiculously unacceptable and we don't even pay attention to it. It's just natural for us because it's been our exposure for such an incredibly long time. In fact, um, because we are uh, African-Americans, this is a, a lull in violence, yeah. right? The way our life started in coming here, it was grotesquely more violent than our casual days are. So even with kids being murdered in school, there's some degree of acceptance of violence that we tolerate uh, because of that existential understanding that violence is part of the life of what this country is. That's also the foundation of the culture of the country. And so uh, until we actually face that, we can't fix it. And, and, and if we're not even talking about it, we can't face it. It is, it is such a human thing that we're doing and in our country has, we, we're created for a pretty decent reason where we're created. And I think we've evolved somewhat over that 240 years or so. But the violence nature of us as human beings and the grotesque thing that you mentioned in regards to how we were all transported here and probably one of the, one of the worst things in the history of mankind. Indeed. That thing is not just hurting us, but it hurts everybody that was involved in it. I think it hurts the whole planet of the earth because it's all in our DNAs now. So that's why all of our, our things that we consume are around that. And I was saying to myself, did I miss it? And when we were talking, I was like, we were talking about your film, which we're definitely going to get into. Yeah. Violence is like all around us in so many ways. Well, listen, part of my frustration with this situation um, has to go back, I'll, I'll probably, I'm probably going to quote quite a few of our greats before this conversation conversation's over. But Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, violence anywhere is violence everywhere. Injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere, right? And so when we allow particular things to take place, they grow and exponentiate, and then you've got a bigger problem than it started with because you allowed it to be, right? And that's the nature of what the country is, right? We started out as violent as possible, and I don't even mean the, the slave trade. I'm just talking about all of the, the violent interactions, both in leaving, in the settlers leaving and arriving here. All of that was born of violence, and it just continued to perpetuate. Well, that right? here, right? Right. That, 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 that was, I don't know what the right term is, but they were here. They, they were living here. And the violence that was committed against them is, is horrible. And here's the, cool, yes. here's the thing that I, I believe that, that the lesson that we have as human beings is that the indigenous people of this country, we as African Americans, we have been resilient to all of this. Yes. We just have to make sure that our DNA, to your point about us talking about this, has to start to rewire itself. 
Yes. Um, literally, what I say often is we actually have to deprogram so that we can reprogram. And we got to understand where what the deprogramming is for, where it comes from, what happened to us, what we've been through, what we've experienced, and why we have some of these preset understandings. We have to deprogram those so we can reprogram them to something more constructive, more beautiful, more thriving, right? And focus. Um, but the, the, those foundations that we have and being in this country all together are all destructive. They're all derogatory. And we have to face them to undo them so that we can redo what we have as origins, as our base of human understanding, of social understanding, specifically about ourselves, how we regard each other, yes. how we value each other. Yeah, there's been such a disservice done to us, mankind, yeah. in regards to us saying that this human being is a different kind of human being than that kind of human being. And right. I'm, I'm not going to excuse why that was the case. I, all I know is that we were always trying to make sure that we thought that there was a scarcity mindset. Well, right. that you know, we need them to do it because I don't feel like doing that. Or they need to make it over there. Or if they come into this country, that means I'm going to lose my thing or whatever. And, and we've created a scarcity mindset, and that's not, that flies in the face of what we really should be focused on as human beings, and that's creating abundance. We do it, we redo it. I mean, there's as many stories of us creating wonderful technology, like the thing you and I are talking on right now. <laughs> we, 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 there is wonderful examples, but the other, this other portion has such a, detrimental effect not on all of these people who died in school shootings and in shootings and in violence and in wars at the moment, but it has a societal effect on wherever that happens for generations. Well, so you've talked, you've reached on a deeper point of uh, the problematic foundations of our society. The biggest one is uh, capitalism. Capitalism is faulty in its nature because it's about me. And this human experience is about us. And too much of our focus is about me and gain versus how we grow, right? Harmony is found in the growth. Harmony is found in the we. But tests and challenges and selfishness and narcissism, these things are found in the me and the I and my gain and how I'm number one and I'm ahead of you and I'm above everybody, all that me, 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 when you send that throughout society, when that, uh, as that grows across the entire spectrum of the country, we wind up as uh, several million individuals and that's gonna be a tougher life by a lot. And that's, that's been our existence is we're all looking out for me because we do have a scarcity mindset when everything we'll ever need continues to be here if we don't abuse it but we don't have the focus to respect it which is about you know one of the indigenous perspectives when they were dealing with the settlers is that you have to respect what is here it'll be here for you forever you treat it right the, which are, animals your and the whole right. all around it. Right. but your focus is greed and gain and so you you abuse things for the smaller picture for the temporary moment instead of seeing the bigger picture and, and, and the eternity of this. Yeah, you know, capitalism has an opportunity. As, if, it's, if it's focused on the common good of the society, right, in order to grow things. But your point really stri strikes me. So here's, here's I'm going to give you an example, super tangent. 
So China, Communist Party, right? They've okay. been dabbling in capitalism. The largest electric car maker in the world, I think they're called BYD. They're trying to be capitalistic. So they're, they're trying to beat out Tesla and the rest of them. And so what they did is they would manufacture way more cars than they could ever make. And so in order to make sure that their numbers to the government sound like it was above Tesla. And, then, yeah. and so I'm watching this video and in this, in this video, there, there's these spots all across China with these brand new electric vehicles, which, you know, not easy to make. You know, you're, you're getting young people to mine these things and freaking wherever they are all over the planet to, to kill themselves to make to get these, these rare earth materials. You got ten thousands, thousands and thousands of vehicles that no one can ever drive because they can't afford them. <laughs> so you can get some money so you can make your money, your thing looking good. You not only did harm the planet, the people, but you've harmed the planet Earth with vehicles that nobody can ever use. That is, regardless of what anyone says else about China, that to me is a horrible output of, of capitalism and trying to get money. Yeah. yeah. And well, I, you know, I want to quantify that. Um, I just mean the philosophy of capitalism. Some, of course, it has some advantages. It's uh, most things you encounter will have advantages and disadvantages, right? And there are some parts of capitalism um, that were fantastic back in the day. Uh, how do I, there is so much to unpack in that statement and I'm trying to get clip notes of my idea. Um, socially, we had different perspectives about what it was to be us, uh, you know, several decades ago. When we grew up as kids, us were out in the streets us played whatever games and we engaged each other all the time. We had a consciousness of the people in our community, right? When that is the basis of your human understanding, then you'll have some consideration for people around you. But the world has gone away from that. Kids aren't even outside playing at all. And you fast forward that to what our society works like. We're not connected to people. So selfishness has magnified. Oh, yeah. It's just about me. It's not I'm a gain so I can help people. I'm a gain and then we'll do. No, it's me, me, me and me. That's the beginning and the end of things. And when that's the focus, then we're losing because humanity is, is best. It's at its best when we are connected, right. period. There's no greater thing than being connected to human beings in this life. And so if your whole focus is to gain so that you're separated further from human beings, then your aim is not a beautiful thing. It's not a powerful thing. It's a terrible thing. It's a virus. And that's kind of where we are right now. I, me and me and me and me and me, then what happens to all of us? Right? No harm, right? So for example, somebody or a colleague of mine is having a play later on today. I didn't even bat an eye when they said, to, you know, uh, can you come out and support? I don't even remember what it costs. I'm coming. <laughs> it's, it's they need it, I'm right. coming. Right. And, and, and for example, there are wonderful black businesses here in this country and on the whole diaspora that are just doing beautiful things. And we have to support them because in a lot of cases, we're doing common good for things. When it transforms yes. into that corruptive thing, because every form of government in the history has had some level of corruption. When it does this kind of thing, if we don't, me, you, and everybody else, don't say, let's, let's stop. And understand, are we doing something against our nature because we're trying to get it beyond our other man, our other fellow man? When that happens, 
then that creates stuff. I, I, it, it makes me sick when I see people get pissed off about people that are homeless or hanging about, or you know, and oh the hell is this all they don't they don't know their world, man. Their world is totally different. Their world, right. their world is not to be there. No one makes a decision to do that. No. So what we and I don't mean trickle down kind of crapola that we heard in the eighties, like you know, right. I'm a billionaire and then trickle you a couple of thousand. That's not what I'm talking yeah. about. I'm talking about right. really being able to invest in the people in our world. There's no reason why the United States should have 500,000 people on the street. Not one. No one can convince There's a couple of statements that are absolutely wrong about the country. It's called the richest country in the world. And rich has to be defined, right? First, when your debt is so huge that you'll never pay it off, you can't consider yourself rich. That's, that's not what that is. But um, that's just the monetary end, monetary end of it. When you talk about a society that's, got as many people bereft on the streets, basically, as those that are in a house, there are no riches there. That is what poor is, because not the, the, the state of them being on the streets, but the state of us allowing that is poor. If we aren't concerned about our fellow man in the state that we get them off of the streets and that we're taking care of them, then we are poor in character, right? I'm not thriving. If I watch you physically dying and I don't do a thing about it, I, I am I can't be rich if that's how I choose. And when we really understand that we all live here together, that we exist together, that this is a cohesion of humanity, whether we like it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not, then their plight affects our lives directly. And the more we take care of them, the, the healthier state that they're in, the better we all are. That's what the reality is. It, it, it go, to me, it goes back to what we started off this conversation with, where there is this DNA that's been passed on to all of us, that we think that there's one kind of group of people in our land right. and another kind of group of people in our land. And so people might not consciously be saying this when they see our fellow man out in the streets, but that some of them are thinking it, that that's not another human being, that's some other, some other kind of human being. Not everyone. We have some wonderful philanthropic organizations all throughout this country. There's a lot of us who are saying, no, that's not them. That's not me. It's not them. But you and I are just one or two things away. One medical bill coming into our mailbox. One thing that comes for us to not be here and for us to be one of them. That's right. That's right. One shot somewhere or something happening or one person passing. There one tornado point. We are like we have a, we are on a razor thin thing for us to be those individuals. So we cannot act like they're not one devastation away. But the whole thing is that's that's literally the issue. That reality creates a fear, and that fear creates defense mechanisms that make us take those positions. It, it puts us in a place where we choose those positions to condemn and have whatever derogatory and foul mentality about people that don't share our current plight, right? Whatever that might be, whether that's your skin color or where you live or your economic standing, all we have to do is be afraid to find a way to point a finger because we're trying to defend ourselves from something that isn't even between the two of us. Whatever two groups of people those are that you're talking about, that thing isn't between us, it's not me versus you. I'm living my life, you're living your life. 
you have your test, I have my test, and usually they're pretty close to the same. We just have to understand that fear can't make choices for us. We have fear, and I think fear is, I know fear is an incredibly healthy, necessary thing. It just should never make choices for you. It is an alert system. It's a natural alert system. Hey, man, it's a series, right? You need to pay That's attention. Right. That's what it's for. It's driving not on a road. Me. You have to have a monocle of fear. <laughs> Can't do whatever you want when you're driving. Absolutely. Exactly right. Yeah. You'll be permanently attached to the car. That's right. But. <laughs> But it, that's why you have to pay attention. And that's, uh, you know, you uh, scale that out. And the reality is that uh, sometimes we, we have very terribly unhealthy takes and responses to what our fears are. And um, usually across the spectrum, it causes us to be reclusive in our, our perspectives and in our sharing, right? I, I, and it causes a whole bunch of derogatory things between yeah, us. Yeah, I, I really do love, the reason why you hear me, everyone who's listening to us talk, get really passionate and lean in on this conversation is because I love us all. I've never met a human being that I consider a different kind of human being. They may say something differently, they might know a different language, they might be a different place, the way I know we've been created is to love us all. Regardless of what, there's people who say all kinds of mess to me all the time. <laughs> so what do I do? Do I go, oh yeah, I'm gonna be mad at them? Or do I try to tap into the nature of why I was created? And say, you know, let me just stop there and say, what is the way I can help this person? How can I do this? I wanted to take a moment here to really talk about your, your film dying to learn here when you shared the trailer with me i had to watch it like three or four times and and, and partially because of I, I probably haven't realized this leroy until i got to this time in life about how the cumulative things that i've gone through in life have had a real impact on the way i feel about myself now I never used to think about the fact that I saw a good friend of mine get shot when I was growing up. Yeah, well, that's just where I grew up. I mean, people getting shot, ain't no thing. People getting robbed, people getting attacked, people having big, massive brawls and all that. Hey, this is where I grew up, man. What's the matter? I'm getting pulled. Last bit, and I'm going to turn this over to you. I did not count how many times I got pulled over by a cop when I was a young person until someone asked me this post George Floyd. And I didn't know, I mean, I wasn't sitting there creating a tally. Um, right. But as I went through this, and when I moved to Atlanta as a young man, every time for the first 10 years when I drove back to New York, I got pulled over in North Carolina. Yeah. Never got a ticket. They just wanted to see what's in my car. They don't want to check me out. And I, one of you, man, I don't know. I grew up this way, like, well, then it's wasting my time. I got to get to it. I'm trying to hit my number. I'm trying to get to New York at X amount of time. It's wasting. Right, right, right. I think about this just in my own life, but all of the people who have not just been lost their life and their family members have been irreparably scarred by this. But all the people who have been injured, all the people who are in the vicinity of these things. And it has got to be, it's unquantifiable the amount of trauma that we've created because of this kind of thing. So I want you to talk a little bit about what was 
What was the genesis and what was it for you that said, let me make this film, Dying to Live? Well, I, uh, so it was back in 2019, um, the television would come alive every two, three weeks with the story about a school shooting, right? The aftermath of a school shooting, they're present on the set of a school that's been absolutely terrorized, lives been taken. And uh, the responses all seem manufactured to me. They seem manufactured and small. And uh, they would be those one or three talking points. First, they'd say, you know, thoughts and prayers to the family. Uh, and then they talk about either guns or bullying or uh, mental health issues. Now, mind you, every last one of those is devoid of responsibility. Bullying is someone other than the kid who did the shooting, which is the most outrageous claim. Um, the second one is guns, which eh, who's, who is responsible for guns? You can't really point at a responsible party. So no one has power to change it. That's the whole point of responsibility. No one's empowered to change it if no one's responsible. And then lastly, it's mental health. So even when you focus on the kid, the murderer, the terrorist who did it, they're not really responsible either, was the whole aim. And this repeated over and over and over. Wash, rinse, repeat, right? And I just, I, I couldn't take it anymore. I, I understand that um, we don't, as human beings, we don't live in a bubble. And we very, very seldomly have a monolithic choice. All I see is this one thing and this is all. No, it's usually a, a contribution of multitudes of factors. Mm -hmm. And um, this is no smaller than that. This is... This is all of our life that contributes to this problem. And when I saw that, I, I just couldn't take it anymore. I, no one was speaking, and no one. I didn't see any outlet anywhere where anyone was saying, man, this thing is so much bigger than these three talking points. And I, I just couldn't take it anymore. So um, Dying to Learn was born, uh, written to address some of the other things that I see. That's, that is awesome. Uh, and I mean awesome about the fact that you took that, you, 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 that it broke your heart. And you, know, you said, this is what I'm going to do to take an impact. And, and, and for those who are listening, this really touched me because I wrote a one-act play, which I had to put on the shelf because it was, it was sort of what um, Leroy is talking about here. And every time I look at it, I was like, this thing, like any other great story, has to find its time and its moment. Uh, and so then when I said, oh my gosh, Leroy, what you're doing here is phenomenal. And I tell you, every single person that's out there, when you see this film, it's going to connect. It's going to connect with you. So, so tell us about where it is at this stage. And you know, I know, I know there's a wonderful trailer that you've got out there that we'll we'll share here at the end. But tell us a little bit about where it's at now. Okay, uh, I, I do want to address the heartbreak. Literally, that's what was happening over and over. I, every time I hear a child being murdered in school, it breaks my heart. Saying it every time I see it. It does something like I don't understand how someone could hear those words, not even see the reality, but hear the words and not be torn to pieces innately because it is an abomination of what our understandings are. Right. School is a safe haven. Children are children are off limits. And we got kids dying in schools like I. So. Uh, I'm sorry. No, no, you, you, know, you are so on it. Because those children, the children that were there that lost their life, their, their families are, are broken forever. Um, but those who are injured, broken forever. 
The rest of them, the kids were there. in school. The kids were traumatized by their lives were forever changed. And and those children, those children become adults. And those adults yeah. hopefully have their own children. And then that cycle, the DNA that we start off the conversation with, can unfortunately perhaps get past if we don't have films and stories like the ones that you've got here. We've got to do it. We can't live for the rest of our human human existence on this earth with violence at the core of it. It just doesn't it doesn't make sense. God did not create us for this. Indeed. Indeed. And that is our country. Violence is at the core of it. I think it's we got screen time for our lives shared between sex and violence, but it's definitely a heavy, ridiculous overdose of both of them. Yeah. And both of them create pressures on our children that create struggles for them. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Dying to Learn right now is a short film. Um, yeah. uh, we just did a deal with Tubi. Um, we're going to be streaming on there in perpetuity. Um, we're waiting on a release date. We're looking at something like August, but I wish I had an exact day. I'm waiting for them to drop that on me, but it'll be out there for everyone. You, to you, see. you will send a note um, out on, on the platform too, and you let us know that. We'll make sure everyone is ready to drink that. Absolutely, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Um, but it is a short film. It is uh, 32 minutes of runtime. It's like 39 minutes with all the credits, all that. Um, we have one. Uh, 25 film festivals so far. You see the poster behind us. It's got five of the, the um, uh, reads on there. What are those things? Oh, yeah. Well, the nomenclature scheme. Yeah, yeah. But you yeah, see yeah. that. That's what you mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the read, yeah. reads, I think that's close. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they uh, they represent another 20. We, got, we have 25 wins in this forthcoming uh, 24th of the month, another week. Uh, we'll be at the San Diego Film Awards, and we're up for three more uh, for the best uh, best short film, the best new director, and the best ensemble cast, which is the thing I'm the most proud of. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> Our people did some work. They were awesome. I, I, I love yeah, that. I like, where did you find them from? I was, I was like, well, these, these are some really powerful people, the young people and the teachers. Everybody was phenomenal. You don't know that you complimented me even more because some of the, the core of them are my acting students. They're, that's, they're the reason I was able to even enact the thing. I was training them and when I got mad about it, I saw who I had and you know I had a, um, I had a premise anyway of just keeping them in production so they know what productions look like, how they work. They see both sides from a, a educational standpoint instead of just a functional working point. They could ask questions of the, the crew and whatnot and completely develop in film, see how it works in and out. And so trying to learn was a coming together of their skills and my fury, right? To create this thing, which is really- You know, the story, but then also their learning. That's right, that's exactly right. So when you say they were great, you gave me another compliment. They really are great, I was so proud of. And then we just had, San Diego is a small, film community so you know reaching out it's a circle and you pretty much get the resources you need if once you plug in you you're pretty much plugged in all, all the way across the board it's fantastic but uh, yes, it's, it's, uh that's awesome so for everyone who's out there what we're going to do is we're going to play the trailer here and and then after that Leroy and i are going to wrap up i'm going to make sure that everyone's got this understanding that this may be intense for you 
So please, if this is intense material for you, please feel free to disconnect or to to walk away for a bit and then Leroy and I is gonna jump back in because this you've got to see this. And for those of you who are on the audio version of the show, we will put a link to it so you, so you can see the trailer as well. So let's go ahead and queue it up here. Give me a second. I'm going to go ahead and key it up there. Brother, this has been so amazing. I have as well enjoyed you immensely. Let's go ahead and kick it up. My question is for you. Good morning. Morning, Gump. Is everything okay, Billy? Your laptop, Billy. What you got? Uh, you, you, you what, huh? You don't have to brave anything. The offer is always open. Oh, oh, hey, stop it! Stop it! What the hell? Oh, okay. Leave that dude alone, man. You better get out my way, Shady. Or what, man? You gonna swing on me too? You don't have to be cruel to kick it, Mr. Vicious. They all act like they like you. Nobody likes an asshole. Get you mine. Thanks, snitches. Brother, that is amazing. And it is, it is really something. And terrible. Um, and terrible. And terrible. Uh, we got incredibly fortunate to have the incomparable Mr. James Reynolds in our in our film. Uh, he oh, is. When I saw him, I was like, oh my gosh, this brother is in the show, is in the movie. I was like, this is amazing. He's a spectacular human being. We are both Marines, so we share that brotherhood in common. And I happen to be fortunate enough to meet him. And everything went from there. I, I am way more than thankful that he was uh, more than willing to share his great talents with us. And he made the whole set meld together. It was terrific. It's terrific. Yeah, that, that, that is so incredible. And for those of you who listened, to that and what saw it, please, please. I'm going to have Leroy's information about where you can see the trailer directly and you know, support this because I know that the goal is that this is going to be out there um, even more so than what it is today. So, Leroy, I'm so excited about the future for this. Thank you, brother. Uh, I, I will add on that. Uh, we are working on a feature film now. We have the script, and uh, of course, we have uh, the bulk of the cast, but it's a bigger production, very obviously. So, we're working on that right now. That is the um, it's mandatory that it's in a bigger format. And I don't just mean because of the message, but because of uh, the elements of the messaging. Now, I think this is an entire society problem. And so 
in order to dig into that to some degree, at least representatively, um, the film's a, a lot bigger. It's, it's going to be like a two-hour film, two-hour, ten minutes. But each one of the kids has, has a different background, a different setting, different situation, because it's a whole society problem. And until we see it for what it is, we won't be able to repair it. And that's the thing that is most important to me, is that we find a way to protect our children and keep them safe. And uh, I think the quickest route to that, the most thorough route to that, is to simply tell the truth about what we're facing and then dig into that. Yes. For those of you who are out there, the Creativity Cocktail came out of Rising Tide's charity. And Rising Tide's charity was created because I saw family members and friends who left this plane of existence. And they were creative, they were creative souls. And they felt too encumbered by the rest of the world to let them know, or let the world know how creative they really were. And so we said, we're, we're going to stop this one person at a time. One podcast, one video, one blog post, one event at a time. Because what Leroy is doing here is trying to make sure that everyone understands that they have a voice. That you as a young person, you as a not young person, you have voice and violence is not your voice. Violence doesn't do anything to make your voice. I think some people think that that's the case, brother. I don't think so. No, nor do I. This oppresses your voice and those that you're, you're harming. So this is one of the reasons why, brother, that there is such congruency between what you're doing and what our organization is doing. And then when you started to talk about the young people that were your students that are involved, what you have done, and I hope everyone heard him when he said this, is that by having these young people involved in this story, it's like the story itself is changing their story for their lives. Yeah. They're great actors, but they will also be thinking about this in the future because of what you did by putting them down with this story. Sadly, Winston, oh man. So uh, we we were only able to share this with you real quickly. We were only able to film over weekends because we filmed in a real school and it was during uh, school session. So we were only able to film during the weekends. Well, uh, we filmed over the course of five different weeks, six, six total weeks. While that was happening, we were receiving the messages of uh, the outcomes of those festivals, right? We were winning awards and whatnot, right? Um, which was terrific. So the first couple weekends, I showed up with wins before we, you know, as fuel for us to do this thing, we had some wins, right? And then it turned around 360. Every time we won an award, I would go to share it on Facebook and immediately get called that there's a school shooting in progress. So instead of me being able to share, because I stopped talking about our wins like after 13, because I couldn't, because that continued to happen. Is I would, while trying to share it, some school shooting would happen. So every time we came together to film, I would have both pieces of news to go over that the school shooting that just happened again, along with these wins, and the wins just continued to die out because they are not important. That's not what we're here for. What we're here for is to try to have an impact in keeping our children safe. And so we were 
incentivized anew, sadly, unfortunately, while we were filming to do something that would have an impact. And uh, when there's a scene in the film the, where the school shooting happens and these kids are crying, they're crying real human, real tears. They're crying, the crew is crying, I'm crying because every last one of us cannot just feel from a distance, but we've got these things happening while we're filming, right? And the necessity to have an impact on us, to stop it, to protect our children is real. And we all felt it in real ways. And I really hope it translated on the screen because we were all impacted by the, re the existential reality of the threat of our deaths for useless reasons. That's the world we live in now, and it, it continues to be real. And so, you know, we were driven by the need to get this word out. I, I love this. I love what you're doing. We need you, brother. We need, we need others like you. You know, I, I believe our human spirit is bigger than the violence. Absolutely. I, I think we have much more to offer this, our world and the, the, the animals and the air and all of the things in it than we do than just by having violence or waste or whatever it might be. I completely agree. We're not a, and sometimes I hear people saying, that, yeah, we, we human beings are the violence of the earth. We also can be the flowers of the earth. And, and, and you, you, you're combating this balance, the yin and the yang that we've seen in all of it. And you said something earlier that, that, that every time I'm continuing to talk, this really hits me. And that is because we are now being taught to be much more self-centered. And it's not, I don't think it's necessarily what the intent was when people started to talk about the, you know, get, you know, get your life right or whatever. I don't think that was the original intent. I think the intent was to get yourself better so you can help others. That's <laughs> right. That part is myself does be about me. Well, I, uh, Winston, I've been a group guy my whole life, right? I started out in the glee club and I wound up in a drum section in the marching band and I had a rap crew and everything. And now film and television, everything I do demands a bunch of people for it to be successful. I have done some things where it's just me and categorically, it is not remotely as rewarding to succeed by myself than it is to go through the struggles and the stress and the difficulty and the disagreement of a whole bunch of people trying to make one thing happen. And then when you all come together, when it finally works out, when it pans out, that this thing becomes whatever level of triumph it is, it is uniquely more rewarding than something I do by myself. Because that is the beautiful, that's the beauty of life, is that we are put here to be together. Working together is the greatest accomplishment. Right. If you do some violent thing, some some vile, destructive thing, you don't walk away from that with pride and joy. But if you do some amazing thing with a collection of people, that'll carry you for some days. It may carry you for years. It may become a mantra for your life. But violence can't. Oh, yeah, I'm just going to go kill people forever. That's that didn't even sound like yeah. well, it. Right? The strength of us, all of us, is togetherness. There's a reason why they put people who are incarcerated in solitary confinement, because it drives them insane. <laughs> so, and so when we're having these messages that are telling us to be all about yourself or to be by yourself, it literally can be driving us insane. 
That's not how our brains are wired. No, no, it's been no. so great to have you on the Creativity Cocktail. I, I, this is the beginning of many engagements and connected dots between our what you're doing and what we're doing. This is absolutely, absolutely. I am. Thank you for having me. I'm more than appreciate being here, engaging you. It's been more than fantastic, brother. And if there's any way I can ever help you in anything that you're doing, you already have my commitment. I just need to know what it is. How can people, if they want to connect with you and all the project, what's some of the best ways they can do that? That's awesome. Um, so we have our website, which is, uh, you can reach my company at uh, www.rosesnowvisions.com. Um, and my email address is Leroy J. Barrett, the number three, at rosesnowvisions.com. Uh, and you can reach us there. If there's any way that I can help you, there's a contact at Roses Now Visions, very obviously. Um, and if there's anything we could do for you if, you, if you'd like us to come somewhere, if we can help with anything you're doing, I am literally here for that. We, we, have, to create, we have to create a wave of understanding um, and commitment to protecting our children. And right now, that, that is not a thing that's obvious. Our voices for protecting our children and stopping this madness have to be louder than all the others that give reason for us for it to continue. We have to end it. So any way that I can help, I will. Um, and I, I want to share with you, Winston, um, Rose is now. It's my father's mantra, right? Uh, and now it is mine, but it's also the name of the company. Um, and it is the simple perspective of you know, you give people roses now while they can smell them, while they can feel your, your uh, emotion, your, your, your value for them. Uh, connect with people while it matters. Don't wait till they die and put them on their casket when there's no exchange there, there's no meaning there, there's no depth there. It can't help their lives because they're already gone. But it's, the reverse is also true. The roses are for you too. Yeah. You need to smell them while you're here. And that means imbibing everything that happens in your life by the moment. Maximize your minutes. Um, the flowers that are here on earth, that you walk by on the street, they just happen to be there. Well, they're there for you. All of life is. And the more that you can be present in the moment and understand it, the more you can lean over and smell it. See what's going on with that flower. Same with having this conversation with you. This is one of those flowers that I am taking in and extending at the same time. And that's for everybody that's listening. If there's some way that I could help you and be a part of what you're doing to better the world or just you, please reach me. I'm here for that. That's such an awesome vision. You know, roses now. So that that to me, I'm going to be saying this for the next couple of weeks, brother. So <laughs> walking up to all the people, like, hey, I'm giving you your roses now. <laughs> right, that's right, that's right. Give them to them right now while they can smell them and feel your sentiment. Right, you can make that connection. That's when life is at its best. Do it now, right now. That is awesome. So we're going to have you come back again, and obviously we've got lots of things coming up this year for those of you who follow the Creativity Cocktail and the Rising Tide Charity. I am so honored to say that our second annual Kiana's Voice is going to be this year on October 28th at 3 p.m. at a wonderful black business here in Atlanta in the East Lake area called Hip and Hops Brewery. Wonderful, wonderful brother. And he is going, to, it's going to be amazing. We're gonna have so many people come in and pour into us. Kiana, my niece who left us physically, is here with us today because her voice, her love of fashion, her love of art, her love of poetry, 
permeates every single one of us. And so I'm so thrilled that we're going to have our second annual one. We're going to have a blast. Last year we had a blast. For those of you out there, there were some fun moments in there. Well, whew, there were some, some moments. So look for the trailer for that shortly because there was some. So we're going to have a blast at the same time when we celebrate our voices as humans and as creative. Brother Leroy, this is great. Thank you so much. Thank you all that are out there. Please make sure you rise up your voice when you woke up this morning. You are your master. This is Winston with the Creativity Cocktail. We will talk to you all very, very soon.